Uh, I can see a hat. Whose hat is that? Uh, that's Casey's. Uh, try it on for me. Uh, I don't know. Do you think I'd look good in a baseball cap? I don't want it to look good. Okay, but you want me to put it on. Yeah. Yeah, that looks terrible on you. Mm. It actually doesn't look yeah. too bad. A little uh, Patagonia action. Patagones. So, how is life, my man, it's my dude, good. my G? My, well, cheers. New, cheers, mate. Clean. New house, new you. New house, new you. New, new um, yeah, dude. fresh looks. I love it, man. You look, you look good. You look. Uh, I mean, you look like you're in a storage place right at, the, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, but, I'm in uh, the office, which is where the majority of the stuff, which doesn't have a home yet, is currently sitting. But it's like this corner is all good. It's just the stuff you can't see. Whereas that corner is where all the pile of shit is at the moment. But that's the only okay, part of the house which is a pile of shit. I'm thinking just in your in over your right shoulder. I'm thinking just a framed. You know, uh, A5, deep fort. A5 uh, is artwork. small. I think you want to go the other way. Uh, you A15. Want A3? A15. Oh, no. Yeah. Because an, A, sense, an A5 is half of an A4. So that's a very, a very small frame, which I do I just like. want a really, I want a, I want a stamp. I want a postage that's stamp. framed. Yeah. <laughs> but a we large should do frame. postage stamps, by the way, dude. We Merch should. idea. Yeah, great. So... Um, you're, how many days have you... You're in a new place. New place. Moved on the weekend. We're recording on a Thursday. Tell me all about it. Oh, so it was... How it was, did it go? It was pretty straightforward. It was just, you know, tiring work. Um, but I, I had been in the same house for six and a half years. I've been in the same house since I moved wow. to New Zealand. So I, wow. I literally rocked up in that place with my two suitcases. And then over the course of the past two thirds of a decade accumulated everything that I own in New Zealand and, and it was in that one room in a, in a house with three other people. So yeah. the the move from my end was I take everything that I own in New Zealand and it comes over to the new place here. Whereas KC, his parents live in, in Christchurch. He'd been living in, in at his parents' place, saving money. So yep. he doesn't need to move everything on the, on the first day. So um, for me, it was like a, a complete pick up your entire life. And for him, it was a bit like, well, to get started, we probably just need my bed and a couple of clothes. <laughs> that was right. it for him, um, which is not to say that it wasn't like a, a dual effort, but it was interesting that the contrast was was as as um, different as it was. So it's a lot of your junk at the moment. Well, in the in the subsequent few days, he has brought uh, an equivalent amount of his stuff over. Um, it yep. just wasn't cause that, that was my moving out day. So that was the day I had to clear the room and clean it and have it mm. ready for whoever comes next. Um, so we had a trailer that was like a five hour rental and that's one of those notorious ones where you're thinking if you're one minute past two o'clock, they'll charge you another sure. five hours. And yep. in that period, we had to go to like six different places and pick up furniture that we'd bought and a TV and grab the beds and move my desk and like all this stuff and, and drop it off in the new place. So there was a little bit of like a frantic flurry on the Saturday. But then once that stuff was in, it was kind of just unpacking and, and easy. So it wasn't, it was pretty straightforward, just laborious. Yeah. Moving is notoriously like the most stressful 
thing. It's like the thing that everyone goes to for in terms of like as a stress example. So it, it yeah. wasn't too bad for you guys. No, it, it was it was pretty good. We had friends around on the Saturday night, so. We're yeah. in a pretty good space in terms of we set up the lounge and, and got the TV going and had our bed there. And that was all you really needed. Um, and then all of the piles of junk you could sort through over the next few days as we did. Cool. So how does it feel? It's good. It's interesting because as someone who works from home, one of the reasons that I'd been resistant to moving out um for a few years, like or, or changing places, was I liked the dynamic of having other people there at the end of the day. The fear being that if right. I was just, you know, living in a place by myself, which I would have benefits in terms of more space and more privacy, I would also then be a complete recluse because I, I work from home and I'm, I'm not interacting with people. Um, so it's been interesting this week getting a little bit of a taste of the different dynamic in that way where. Um, like obviously KC's going off to work during the day and comes back at night, but then it's just me. Like it, it is, it is a, right. an empty house that is mine and, and trying to work out the way that that feels um, like my place and also can be conducive to work and also stop from going crazy is, is going to be like an ongoing process, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a similar setup at the moment just with COVID just because uh, Emma's working from home and yeah. I go out um, and, you know, bring home the bacon um, or bring myself <laughs> home think, the bacon. She I doesn't get my bacon. should be bringing bacon from where you work. <laughs> no, and she's a vegetarian. So yeah, it's, so it uh, doesn't work on two levels. Yeah, um, but I do, exp- It's uh, it, it is kind of funny because like I don't, I mean, you're working from home, you are working, but yeah. You know, does Casey come home and think, where's my dinner? I mean, you've been home all day. Why, is, why isn't the house clean? I mean, these are conversations that I... It's definitely have. it's definitely been something he's joked about already. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, at the same time, there is like, there is a legitimate logic to the idea that if you were purely doing the maths on splitting the rent right like if i was uh, it, it's kind of irrelevant because all our, our bills and everything are included in a flat rate in our rent so it doesn't really matter mm. but if you were actually paying it separately i'm at home more right so i'm using more electricity and more water and more internet you know so if you're doing the bills that way then there is some logic to the idea that i'm actually consuming more so sure. shouldn't i then do more chores as compensation or you know shouldn't i uh- pony up for the dinners more often i think i think there's some logic there and i've also thought about this about toilet paper when you're living in a uh, in a in a in a house with women because mm-hmm. women are using it for number ones and number twos maybe number threes who knows who knows uh-huh. what they do but by that logic they're actually using more toilet paper so the toilet paper shouldn't actually be split equally if you're counting how much you use it are you not using... i don't want to blame them for having a vagina but uh, it seems fair that fair. it seems that you do. Are you not using? No. You, you never you never reach for a, a cheeky square on a number one. What what would I be wiping? Well, like a dribble, just just to tidy up at the end. Nick, are you being serious right now? Have you never wiped your dick after a piss? Not a, not after a piss. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, maybe. Maybe after something else. Sure, after a um, shit, which if there's gone no everywhere. beanies or socks nearby. 
Didn't didn't catch that last bit. Oh, how can we? St- I've moved houses and we're still having lags. No, it was just a one lag. Okay. What did you say? What well, What did you say? I don't know. I don't oh know. God! Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I'm about. I'm actually thinking about changing my internet plan. Right. Not happy with Internode. If anyone's got any tips for uh, who based in Victoria for internet providers, mm. please let me know. Right off the bat, I I put out a a call out on Instagram. I said to people, we're recording it. We're recording an app. Yep. Email us. Uh, shoot us. Shoot us a message with whatever you want. We've we've already yep. got a hit. Oh. Nick, we've already got a hit. Um, this has come from Ben Kemp. Uh huh. Yep. He wants us to do a fuck, marry, kill. Okay. You in? I'm in. This is just to get the juices flowing. The balls uh-huh. uh, are flapping. <laughs> All right. Fuck, marry, kill. Owen Wilson, but uh-huh. he'll never say wow. Uh, okay. Radiohead, but they'll never release Kid A. And a quiet feeling of dread. Or a feeling of quiet dread. Third one's a bit of a curveball. So how, when you say, but they never release Kid A, is that if you do anything to them, like is, what's the point of fuck, marry, kill is you have to assign something to all of them, right? Yeah. So, so regardless of what you choose, something is going to happen to them. Is that what the... Yeah, I mean, I so don't think he's like, thought about this. What's the difference between... Fucking Owen Wilson and killing Owen Wilson if he's not going to say wow. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't think he's thought this through, to okay. be honest. Sure. I think he's mixed games or mixed, uh, you know, fun. It's kind of like a word games, uh, like a would you rather, but yeah. it at, with a with a fuck Mary kill in it. I mean, we got to take him at his uh, at his question because we can't be rewriting his question. So let's just say his question was wrong, but we'll do it anyway. Okay. I'm really thinking about this. I, I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. He's ha- removing the best parts of yeah. those, you know, Owen Wilson and Radiohead. Yeah, but he's keeping the best parts of a gentle sense of dread. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's I, it's pretty clearly you have to marry Owen Wilson, fuck Radiohead, and kill the dread. 100%. That's the right answer. Yeah. 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 No no complaints from me. Yeah. Um, we nailed it. Glad we got that out of the way. Welcome to Deep Ford, everybody. Thank you, Ben Kemp, and thank you to uh, you, Michael, for appearing in the start of this podcast, um, even if it has glitched. Uh, this is a uh, speaky, talky uh, internet thing in which we discuss the best parts of the world and some of the worst. And fuck, I don't, I've really I've, I've lost the thread on this one. Seen through the internet with me, Michael. I liked it. How's it going? That's my new catchphrase. Yeah, and I'm Nick. I'm still Nick. Hi. And I'm still Nick. That's good too. Mm, That's good. Um, How's you? How's your life? How's uh, lockdown lightning? Yeah, we're we're out of um, the lockdown um, and into lockdown light, I think. Mm. I'm back to work. Um, we still have to wear a mask outside and inside. Um, we can travel. We can't go to anyone else's house. We can't, no one can have visitors. Mm-hmm. 
look, it's it is what it is. It's um, I don't know. The, the the thing is, like, we'll come out of this, I'm sure, and we'll kind of, like, ease back into normal life, but then this could just happen again, and everyone knows that this can just happen again, so it's already happened five times, so we're just like, I don't know, like, fuck, is this, this is just life now, we just have to kind of get used to living how we, you know, close to how we used to live, and then shutting everything down, and then just repeating that. It's exhausting. Well, that's the crazy thing with, with the Sydney case, because today it was 240 cases, which is Unreal. fucking, it's the it's literally the worst it's ever been. Um, yeah. And, and you know, I, I think a testament to two things, the, the virility of the, the Delta strain, but also the complete mismanagement, um, not just from the federal level, which we've talked about pre- previously, but that, that kind of, optimistic where we'll keep some shops open like we've got to let the 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 malls stay and and that kind of thing from the the new south wales government which is just let it fester in the um in the community to a point where it is now seriously doubtful that even a lockdown for a month or sorry an additional month for nine weeks or something they're saying total will actually break it yeah and they've got they've got a few lgas that are uh, more severely affected than others uh, and i was just watching the press conference today and gladys is saying that um she's like well those those lgas that have been that are, where COVID is uh, rife throughout where we're now bringing in a, a five kilometer rule you weren't doing that before and you can now in people in those lgas now have to wear masks outside you weren't you doing weren't that doing before that? yeah like all these she she said today that these are the harshest restrictions felt anywhere in Australia throughout the pandemic that I mean that's just a bold-faced lie uh, Victoria is still in more, has more restrictions on it than Sydney yeah which is crazy it's it's, it's wild and and I mean, I'm seeing a little bit now of discussion about the potential reality that COVID is like a here to stay kind of thing, that it'll be never something we can properly crack. There won't be a like COVID is defeated moment, right? It'll be a, a seasonal yeah. flu thing and people are adjusting that. And this a lot of this discussion is coming from overseas in places like um, America or the UK where the vaccination rates have got so high that there is a little bit more talk about normalcy. Um, but it's quite difficult to envisage that point here, if you know what I mean. It yeah. still feels very much like a pandemic in that sense where we're still vulnerable and the, the risks of deaths are still there. It's only once you get that population all vaxxed that you can start to think about, okay, here's our, our yearly COVID jab that you'll have to get for the rest of your life. Because every year, just like the flu, there'll be a new yeah. variant and a new vaccine that tries to take it on. And you just have to keep updating it. Yeah, it's um, the only the only remedy to this is vaccination, um, which seems to be picking up some steam. Um, certainly the sense of urgency is picking up in Australia. Um, but at the at the current rate, we'll we'll still be hitting the end of the year with you know sixty percent of the population fully vaccinated. Um, there's still 
which is wild. But there's still protests going on, mass protests in all the capital cities, opposing lockdowns, calling uh, COVID a hoax. Yeah, I, I, um, I was a bit out of the loop, but I was seeing some of those this this week. Can you can you tell me a bit about it? Um, I I just know that that in each of the major capital cities, they had thousands of people gathering to protest against um, against lockdowns, against um, uh, some people I saw on the news saying COVID's a hoax. They've got banners, they've got shirts. COVID's a hoax. They still don't believe it's real. They still don't believe that it's deadly, even if they do think it's real. Um, there's a, it's really, it's really brought the loonies out of the woodwork here. Like this, this virus has, like it is from, from a really compassionate and sympathetic point of view. I can kind of see how they think that, like if you start with the conclusion, which is all conspiracy theories do, they start with the conclusion and you inject it with whatever nonsense that you want, that you can find. Um, but these guys think that this is all some, all part of some new world, new world order that, um, governments are trying to, the, the, either governments have created the virus so that they can vaccinate you. And they're saying you don't, you, in order to travel, in order to do anything, you have to get vaccinated. And on top of that, you have to scan in everywhere you go. So in their minds, they're thinking the government is using this to track us. Like you can kind of see how they get to where they've gotten, right? Sure. Um, even I mean, it's obviously bullshit, but you can kind of see how they got, how they made the leaps that they that they that they have made. And once they've already got started to go down that path, I mean, it's a it's a very slippery slope as we've seen. Um, but it still baffles me that um, a, a significant part of the population, not just in Victoria, not just in Australia, worldwide, we're seeing these protests. We saw it in London the other day. Uh, it's it's there is a sense from a from a significant number of people all around the world that this is this is bullshit. That this is an attempt to control the people, um, which is which is terrifying almost as terrifying as believing that the government is trying to control you actually it's not as terrifying as that that would be that would be very scary but it it is worrying and and we all kind of know these people by the way like i'm sure maybe you don't know maybe maybe i'm friends with <laughs> with with more loonies than you are but but i feel like a lot you know people People have these people in their lives. A lot, a lot of them are their family members. A lot of them are friends or friends of friends. I've got a few of them on Facebook. I like to keep them around. I like to keep them at arm's length. I actually had one guy, um, who was, very, who, who I used to work with. He was he's very outspoken on Facebook about, um, about co how COVID's a hoax, blah blah blah, anti-vax, all this shit. And when I got vaccinated, I told you on the last episode that I, um, I took a photo to of it and I wanted to post so it. Look swell. Thank you for that. Um, and I wanted to post it on social media. And in my in the back of my mind, I had this guy in the back of my mind when I was posting it because I was thinking about posting, uh, you know, posting the shot of me doing it, saying you know something about. I thought it would have been funny. I didn't do this, but I thought it would have been funny if to, if I just com completely took 
like an anti-vaxxer, anti-COVID take and, you know, I didn't end up doing it. But he, he actually unfriended me because I had, I realized that I had posted a few things criticizing the government for their slow rollout um, on Facebook and he unfriended me, this wacko unfriended <laughs> me because uh, I, I was yeah anyway the indignity of not being time. able to do the dirty yourself that's that's got to have been gutting well i i like to i like to pride myself on um look if if i disagree with someone and I'll, and quite often i do you know politically or whatever um i I'm not one of these people that will want that will be like, oh, I'm gonna unfriend that person because I disagree with the because I disagree with them. I like to have those people around so that I can. It helps me formulate my own argument. You know, I don't like I don't like this idea. It, I don't like this idea of reinforcing my echo chamber. If anything, I want to expand my echo chamber. So I would never unfriend someone just because I disagree with them. I'll un- I'll unfriend them if they, you know, are racist. <laughs> maybe i don't think i mean expanding an echo chamber is not really it's still an echo chamber right it just means you've got more people in there saying the same thing to you i think you want to you don't want to be in the echoes you don't want to hear any echoes is your is your is your metaphor right well well you're just you're, I, you you want to be I in an anechoic point, you're not gonna, chamber you're not, <laughs> i don't know what that is i just laughed because i wanted to sound smart um okay. what's that is that something to do with that's one of those it's one of those um spiky wall um sound padding rooms where there's no echoes and the only sounds that you make uh get absorbed by oh. the walls around you. You've seen those like those testing chambers where they do you know what I'm talking about? No. Like a studio, like a like a like a studio music thing, studio. except like in a scientific um grade where if you stand in it you can't hear any external noises. So the only thing you hear right. is like pumping of blood in your own body, right? Like, like internal sounds. Sure, I, but I want to hear the other. I want to hear other people's voices as well. You know? Sure. And, okay. And, and I, my I guess I was, was just I was taking the your metaphor to the logical step, which is that you're not hearing any echoes. Like that's the whole <laughs> point. It's anyway. Doesn't matter. Sure. Sure. It was a little bit I mean, laboured, my... even uh, Skype issues notwithstanding. <laughs> Uh yeah I I get what you're saying and it's fair but I th- my I guess my point is that like you're not gonna not have an echo chamber on social media you just are ah, that's just the default you you're in it as soon as you enter Facebook you enter an echo chamber of some degree yeah yeah and the algorithm directs that stuff specifically to you based on your previous activities as well so it's designed to echo sure uh, and uh, and for that reason I don't I don't I I heavily I strongly disagree with wackos unfriending me uh, because I because I'm speaking my mind. I don't un, I don't unfriend them. I listen to them. Well, doesn't this gives you the moral high ground though? So don't, take this as a win. It does feel good. It's it's rare that I rare that I get the moral high ground these days. So yeah, it feels good. <laughs> um, speaking of jabs, I'm booked in for mine next week. I'm getting the Pfizer on Thursday. Fizzy. So do do you, okay, do you think you're better than me? Do you think you're better than me because you got you're getting Pfizer and I got AstraZeneca? It's like is there a little bit of a class thing going on here? Because I feel like there's a class thing going. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll see what reactions I have to it. If it all goes smoothly, then yes, I'll think I'm better than you. If I don't have to call in sick from work the next day, then I'll be like, well, yeah, oh, 
Did you have some uh, reactions, did you? Okay, but that's going to happen. None. But they're saying AstraZeneca, the first jab, is the hardest. Pfizer, the second uh-huh. jab, is the hardest. Okay, so don't come to me. Come to me after, you know. When, do you, when are you going to get your second jab then? Three weeks after. So you'll be fully vaxxed before me. Yeah. That's annoying. Damn. <laughs> Lost that high ground. Oh, well. Hmm. Um, uh, tangent, uh, but something important I wanted to bring out. Our friend Jude, um, who's been a listener of the podcast for many years, um, uh, who is based in Westport on the west coast of New Zealand, um, we're sending out our love and thoughts to her because Westport flooded in some pretty torrential rains recently and uh, her house was completely flooded and uh, a lot of uh, tragedy befalling that um, town, though the silver lining was no deaths, I believe, in the uh, um, in as a result of the flood, but uh, hundreds of houses and, and families displaced from it. So we're sending our, our love out to you, Jude, and hope that uh, things uh, look up. That's devastating and terrible and... Um... I was just going to send my best to Jude, even though we've never met. Um, um, so, is it good grief time? So, good grief um, on SBS On Demand. I'm assuming you've got a ton of uh, people messaging you saying that they love it. Uh, I've had a few people t- telling me that they hate it, but I I, I, <laughs> I, I kind of uh, I deflect negativity these days. You know, I'm too old for that oh, shit. Oh, I appreciate um, that. No, but... Uh, I gave it a rewatch on on the weekend. Um, found some things that I didn't see before, which I loved. I was a little bit drunk the first time I watched it, um, <laughs> but uh, I didn't see your cameo the first time. Oh yeah, and I found it. Yeah, and I took yeah, a photo. I'm, I'm, of it. I'm, so. I'm there. I'm I'm hiding. Yeah, good. You you really convinced me that you're a you're a churchgoer for a for a split Thank second you. there. You really did. Yeah. Well, well, the, you're well for an entire so. first viewing, yeah. <laughs> um, Someone who was dragged yes. to church. Yes. So as you as you said, uh, it is finally launched on SBS, and I have been the recipient of many um, happy and uh, complimentary messages, which is very kind. Um, I'm excited that so many of uh, my friends and family have now been able to see it after three years of hearing me talk about it at length. Um, and thank you to any of you out there as well that have listened. Um, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, but I think this episode, we might just go into it in a bit of depth. So if you, if you are still, if it's still on the list and you don't want potentially spoilers or or that sort of thing, if you're a bit cautious, um, maybe save this one till you've had a chance to watch it. It's only taking an hour and a half. You can watch the entire series, all six episodes in an hour and a half. So um, it, it shouldn't be too much uh, time before you can get back here and give it a listen. Um, but yeah, I think after after three years, it, it, let's let's talk about it a bit. Let's talk. Let's talk it. Yeah, man. I think we did. We do an episode where we talked about like we we talked about like you filming it like along the way. Did we do one of those apps? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think I recorded during the shoot. Okay. But there was a one month before and after. So we had, it was definitely in that process last year when um, uh, we did one before I went away and then I, we filmed for three weeks and then one after we came back. Right. Cool. Well, yeah. So 
Um, when I rewatched, I rewatched with the scripts that you had sent me, which was awesome yeah. just to see. Um, it's 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 such a different. I mean, you must you must be. I know when so when I was when I was making music, I know that it was just like I would start to see the song not as the song, but I would see it as however it came up in Ableton. I would see it in its you know in its segments. And what I'd like to do was was give myself if I worked on a piece of music for four, five, six hours, it would be hugely beneficial to kind of separate myself from it. And the only way I could do that was to um, sleep and then render out the last thing that I did, and then listen back to it the next day. And then the further yeah. you know you get away from that, the more you can see it fresh. So yeah, my question is like how. Do, do you when you watch it or when you have rewatched it do you see the words on the page what like what do you see do you see the mechanics are you able to separate yourself from it it's so interesting it's a, it's a very good question to kick us off because for 2 years this was only ever scripts it was it yeah. was only hypothetical we didn't have backing to go off and make this and we we noodled around with it we did this out of pocket on our own um free time like uh, uh, by ourselves basically on spec um and so we developed these characters without actors attached we we worked out the format and the durations as originally half hour episodes and we, we wrote five half-hour episodes before um, the production company was on board and then ultimately the network who came back and said, nah, can you do it in 15 minutes instead of half-hours? Right. And so two years in, we, we changed the entire structure. from and, and other than the first episode, which we basically split in two from a half-hour that became two 15-minute episodes, that's episode one and two, was the original half-hour pilot. All the others subsequent to that were half-hour episodes that we basically shrunk down and picked the best bits out of and rewrote and restructured. Right. Um, so my my for for years, literally, my connection to this project was words on paper, and when I hear when I watch it back, there is definitely a part of me which is surprised by the delivery of a line, for instance, but by the way an actor says it, because in my head and in our various read-throughs as as the trio that wrote and created it, I would play every other character that wasn't Gwen and Ellie because I was reading all the scripts off. And so I knew our intent as to how a line would be said. And then you watch an episode and you go, oh, they said it in a different way or the intonation and it was still jars you and it still it's... jars. it still gets like i rewatched uh four or so four or five episodes today before this um, which i i hadn't done for months and there were still things where it's like oh i forgot that's how that played or oh i wish that we'd um written that differently or oh that part irritates me because i know that on the day we wanted to do this but we didn't have time to do that and you know, so I, I I do find it very hard to extricate right. the the scripts from the finished product, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, are you able to enjoy 
it? Like when you watched it back, do you, were you enjoying it? Yeah, well, yeah, I was. I, I, I think like any creative process, if you've made something, it's very easy to just see the things you want to change or that you wish were different. It's, it's true of every piece but of music you've ever written, I'm sure. It, it's the true. It's true of any art form. You know, at some point, you, you can work on something forever and it will never be perfect. But art is, as a creator, you are saying, I'm cutting it here. This yeah. is where I'm cutting it. And yeah. that's what it is. And then you yeah. send it out into the world and then it's no longer yours. And then it's just what it is. And it's that forever. Yeah. That's the beauty of art. Yeah. And the, um, and the beauty, I suppose, of being so young as well and and fortunate to have had this opportunity in the first place is knowing that okay next time around with whatever project comes next like we'll have learnt a lot from this process and like what can we do better and it won't be perfect still but it'll be maybe a, a hair closer um yeah but the, the um the the answer to your question is yeah i do i do enjoy it and there are definitely there are, there are still to this moment uh, to this day moments that make me laugh out loud because I think it was so well filmed or so well acted or, um, you know, like I, I still get impressed by the caliber of, of, of many of the components of this show. I, you know, mostly because it was, there were not things I was in control of. Right. So I don't feel that personal. I wish it was like this, um, aspect when it comes to a performance or to a, a shot choice because it was like, well, that wasn't my role. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, in rewatching it, I still have, I, I think I, I've seen, I've seen most of the episodes three times now and I still, I was genuinely laughing out loud. I'm like, not, not even like pity or not, not pity. <laughs> it would never, I know what you mean. Not uh, like, not, not like a, just not a, because a oh, this is my, laugh. like, yeah. I was like yeah. detached, like I was detached from the fact that it was you and then would remind myself that, oh, my, my friend made this, um, yeah. you know, my favorite, my, one of my favorite, <laughs> my favorite lines, I don't know why, but both times I saw, I saw this joke, it was made me laugh, <laughs> um, was, um, oh, we, we, we wanted to sell, we wanted to celebrate. So we got a $14 bottle of Prosecco. <laughs> I don't know why, but that just cracks me up every time. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's been like one of those true, like, narcissistic ego trip pleasures is when people um, tell you like, oh, I really liked this specific thing. Like, it yeah. just does something where you're like, yeah, fuck, like, you watched it and this was a thing that you liked and it like that, that $14 Prosecco. I don't think that was my line. Um, no, I, by the way, like, I, I, I butchered, I butchered the line. It was, we really appreciate you. So we splashed out and got a $14 yeah. Prosecco splashed out. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. But like, I, I enjoyed that as like, a um, as someone who was there when that line was, you know created but wasn't mine like i i'm not so um connected to my work to to need it to be about something i created do you know what i mean like it's just complimentary to me to know that any part of what that show was made people laugh or 
or or came together in a way that 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 pleased people so um sure it, it's really um just the and it's not like you're, you're part of someone say it and it's not and it's not like you're it's like still the three of you it's like the brains trust is yeah three people um who sh- were already like-minded and and thought you know similar or, or had the same creative impulses so yeah it is it, it would be it would feel like all three of yours in that sense yeah absolutely and and the the process of course at a certain point once you are in production and you're casting people the ownership of those characters uh, disappears from the writers and enters the actors hands and that's when some of the pleasures start to emerge because all of a sudden you get to see the person on screen realized and interpreted in ways that you'd kind of hoped it would be but wouldn't like didn't know it could be so when you mm. see Sophie playing Sharon and just embodying this ditzy but lovable well-intentioned uh but ludicrous kind of figure and you're just watching her knock it out of the park every time you just there's there's a thrill in that process when it and it comes off the page in a in such a satisfying way. How much how much how much time do you spend on like the names? Like, do you like does it take ages to to find the right name? Because I, I imagine it would just be like I don't know, in my head when I was watching it yeah, on the weekend. I just thought like it must. It's like sending. It's like naming your your kid in a way. Like you have to, li- they have to like live with this name, and, and names mean so much. Like actually convey quite a lot, and the name matters. So like, do you spend a lot of time on like those incidental details? Yeah, uh, it, and and you're right because in some ways, in real life, your name it defines you. you. Yeah. yeah, and and yet when you're writing it in a script it's even more so it's even it's even more true because you you're not creating only name the, the person and send them out you are picking the name because you know who the character is already it's like getting to look at a 30 year old before you name that person as a child right you you get to see who they're going to be and then name them aware of that fact sure. so th- there's also this kind of like um, omniscient uh, self-awareness to it where you know the kind of name that yeah. you need the person to be, right? So you're, you're throwing names out and being like, no, that doesn't sound right. Why doesn't it sound right? A name, any, any name could be anything, right? Like it's so arbitrary. Right. You could yeah. make someone, you know, like uh, let's say, let's say you're, you're writing an accountant, right? You probably wouldn't, go for a, a name like hunter right a hu- hunter is the kind of name that has associations where it's like oh you're the you know the footy player or you, you, you know the i don't know real estate agent or something you've got different connotations but you you don't see the meek nerdy accountant hunter right like but the it thing doesn't... is but the thing is though you you sometimes do like because you don't want to name your accountant okay if you're going to name an accountant first impulse is i don't know Alex, right? Sure. But the thing is, like, sure, there's probably a lot of accountants called Alex, but there's also probably a, it's, it's there's also probably accountants called Hunter out there somewhere, 
And I think it was like, I think I saw a thing at Aaron Sorkin talking about it. He's like, you can tell everything by a script. I'm probably butchering this quote, but you can tell a lot about a script, about the quality of a script by the names that they choose. And I, I feel like, I mean, I've never tried to write a script, but I feel like I would like, I wouldn't even know how to go about it. Like I would like go through the phone book or something and try and yeah. be like, you know, just try and find something that's real or realistic because when you try to, when you try to be like John Adams, I mean, that's no one's buying that, but yeah, that the, might the, be your first names, impulse. Which, is, which are too, too bland or too obvious too o- or too or conventional. Too but if you want normal people, sometimes you have to go for a, a normal name, but then what do you do? And then there's the other twist on it as well, which is that you might want it to be Hunter, right? But yeah. are you then narrow casting your um, uh, potential acting pool by self-selecting for white people? Or do you name someone Rashid just because that's their name? But does that then force a certain ethnicity? And if you're not writing with a story about an ethnicity, is that okay? Do you Can you just put someone in is that going to affect how people read it is you going to expect more or less from someone if you put different cultural overtones on things do you just put a default name in cast someone and then ask them what they want their name to be you know like well you're seeing a trend in a lot of shows these days where uh, the characters will play fictionalized either fictionalized versions of themselves or like explicitly or they will play um they'll play a, a different character or maybe it will be heavily exaggerated, but they'll use their own name. And I don't think it's a mistake that uh, we've got Gwen and... Um, Ellie. Gwen, Gwen, no, is it Gwen? Gwen and Grace. Gwen and Grace and Ellie and Eve. Correct. Uh, that's, I mean, that can't, that's, that's not a no, mistake. Yeah. And, and it's it's kind of ruined me now because... You know, when you're having a conversation with them, it is so easy to go, Gwen, did you, uh, uh, Grace, did you want to, uh, Eve, if you are writing for, I mean, Ellie, uh, like, because they're now so similar, <laughs> it, it actually is harder to, um, it's much easier to slip up on, on what their real names are. Um, I've got another question. Yeah, go ahead. The, when I watched it, the, uh, grief the first time with Emma, she, Asked me if it was a um, uh, if it was a if it was a like a adolescent show, and like not like in not in just because there weren't wasn't any swearing. As in, what's the target demographic? Yes, and then in the in the final episode, there's a cunt and a fucking cunt. Um, well, there's also a cunt in the first episode. There's a cunt in the first. Um, five minutes because Ellie gets fired for calling a kid that falls out of the tree, you little cunt, and that's what of gets course. her out of the job. So it, it it it's it's right there at the start and it's right there at the end. There but go. it's interesting you say that because Emma did pick up on the fact that Ellie doesn't swear, tries not to swear. Ellie right. Ellie says when she goes to swear, she says schnitzel. And and she wants to call someone an asshole. It says, ah, you say the bad word. Like, that was a deliberate character choice because she swore and got fired. And this is like this kind of reactionary thing which she's done. A, just being a teacher for years, you, you try not to swear anyway. But then B, there's this kind of PTSD about it 
where she's not swearing, not wanting to, to let her emotions fly. And then by the end of the series, she lets out this, you motley bunch of miserable cunts and, and, and sort of breaks free of it. Right. But you know, Emma was correct. There is deliberate avoidance of that in her character all the way through. Now, did you have like quotas that not quotas? Did you have limits on how many cunts or fucks? Like what was the swearing thing like with the, um, production company we studio. did not with a not with a production company at all um we, we were streaming as well so that's a lot easier than broadcast tv um but uh the network did network caution yeah the network did caution that uh, because gwen was very potty mouth and she is she's still you know pretty crude um, but we took out a few swears here and there because the comedic impact is better if they come Sparingly. at more deliberate sparing moments, yep. which was a good a good note from the network. So we we did take a few out, but there are some where you just need them, and and she delivers them so well. And was there ever a point where she smoked instead of vaped, or was vaping no. a very deliberate choice? It was always deliberately vaping, yeah, because at, vaping at is just that kind of. Well, at the start, it's got that vibe. Yeah. Well, I at the start, I was like, I don't know if I buy that she vapes. And at the end, I was like, of course she vapes. Like, yeah. Like by the sixth episode, it took me, it took me to the sixth episode to realize that of course she vapes. (laughs) I'm glad that this was something that was like an ongoing question for you. Just oh, can't wait to see where this vaping thing goes. Well, okay, because no vaping, vaping always intrigues me in shows and and movies because vaping is such a is such a choice and it's such a modern choice and sometimes i will get distracted by the fact that it's like this is an attempt to appeal to like a modern demographic or a modern audience do you know what i mean yeah i i there there are some things as well which are difficult uh, this is a bit of a tangent. Uh, like, like I, I, I take your point about the the vaping thing. There are some things which on screen still feel a bit cringe or still feel a bit hard to buy into um, as a even as a modern audience member. One of them, which is a very kind of tricky thing to know exactly how you want to play things, is texting. Texting on right. screen, like everyone texts, right? You and I, all day when we're messaging each other, you know, messaging our partners, it's silent, right? I'm not saying anything. I'm looking at a screen and off it goes, right? My phone's probably on silent too. So all you might get, if you're lucky, is... Right, but then you want to do the click. And then right? that is actual communication and serious communication. You can be talking about quite legitimate things. Did you want to put in an offer for that house? You know, uh, I just got laid off today. Like you can have significant conversations, dad's in the hospital, that will come across in text form, right? But television and and stage to, you know, a certain extent and, and film, that it's a it's a verbal medium, right? Like, and you can you can do some visual stuff, but it is ultimately um, uh, structured around dialogue right. and knowing how to translate this modern era of 
into a like compelling TV show is a really and difficult then like challenge. how do you how do you and how visualize... do you display it? Yeah, because you'll see shows which do the they put the bubble up as a graphic on screen and you see the the bloop the bloop 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 dot 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 bloop you know and that's a visual choice but then then you're making that choice and breaking realism a little bit because if you yeah. want to be a grounded show or or a realistic show where people are behaving as humans which is something that we really strive for um obviously there's some flexibility in what reality is in this world but sure. for the most part we, we really tried to ground these characters as human beings all of them um the moment you go bloop and put a big <laughs> visual effects bubble on the screen as a viewer you are pushing that reality away a little bit you're 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 taking slightly. a a slightly but but legitimately you're you're yeah. interrupting that that you know, you're breaking the fourth wall a little bit, right? Yeah, and how 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 you know, everyone always replies immediately. Yeah, know, as well, like, yeah, and and we had like very legitimate, ongoing challenges in 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 this regard. So one of the ongoing threads, this you know, these are one of the um, weaknesses you know that you you look back on the 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 show when it's produced and you go, yeah, I wish. I think we could have done that a little better. One of the ongoing threads with Ellie and her boyfriend, Ben, is that she never picks up his calls. She ignores his messages, right? And that's something where you want to see the message come through. You want the audience to be able to read it. You want to see Ellie look at it and then see her put it down. And that's that's like a conceptual challenge of like, how are we going to depict this? Do we have an actual text message on an actual phone and hold it up so that the camera can catch it. That's not actually going to be always very readable. Do you have a a visual, like do you go to VFX and you get them to make up a fake screen and you blow it up a little bit so that it's more readable, but then it doesn't look like a real phone anymore. Do you put the bubbles on and then just stick on a wide shot of her where you can see her react and then put the phone down. Like we had actual ongoing discussions about this. And then, the idea being that by the end of the the um, season, uh, she uh, Ben calls when she's in the car. She's just called everyone a motley cunt and she's stormed out. And Ben calls and she doesn't run away from this thing she's been running away from all season. And she takes the call and she takes the call and cuts him off and says, "I don't want to be with you anymore." You know. I, that, by the way, I is... loved, I loved, I loved that. To, I loved that plot. I loved. You I, did. It felt. I did. It felt. It felt real to me. What also felt real just while we're on this is um, Gwen's sexual tension with uh, Bo. Like yeah, their final, on. the final conversation that they have where she says, I'm going, I'm going to Bali and thanks for encouraging me. And he's just like, oh, I was going to ask you out. Like that just felt both of those two things um, coming together climactically felt so real and so relatable to me i felt both of them equally and i loved it oh oh that's awesome thank you yeah. um they were so relatable yeah. like i've been in both of those situations like yeah, really right. e- equally it was interesting as well because we like we're spinning off in lots of tangents here which is fun i'm, I'm more than happy to but it's interesting in that context we had conversations about okay we're a show about two women out in the world, young, independent, hopefully, uh, 
interesting women. And yet we're, to a certain extent, defining both of their arcs this season around boys, right? The guys in their lives. And, and how much of that is cliche? How much of that is is tedious to define their their life goals and aspiration around the connection to the, the men in their lives? And, and so you have these chats about, well, how far is it going to go with Bo? Do you want to have a kiss at the end of the first season? What if we never get a second season? Wouldn't it be more satisfying for the audience to see them have a kiss, right? But then it's like, well, but you want to leave somewhere to go if you did get a second season. So always leave him always leave him hanging i reckon i think you nailed yeah. i think you nailed, you nailed it i was glad that they didn't yeah I, I and that was interestingly like one of the consequences of dropping to 15 minutes so like i said we'd written five half hour episodes when we got effectively picked up and it then it had to become 15 minute episodes and so we had this challenge and i might have talked about this previously but if you've got half hour episodes, you can't just cut the first three and a half and make six 15 minute episodes and still feel like that's a satisfying journey for a season, right? Cause you don't get anywhere. And yet if you take all six and just crunch them and take some bits out of all of them, then you won't have earned the journey to the end point of that original season. Right. Right. So we had to find this new middle point, this new ending, which was somewhere in the latter half of our original conception that was enough of a sense of progress to feel like the characters had gone somewhere or achieved something and yet wasn't as far along as where we were originally aiming. So it was this interesting recalculation of, okay, where, where do we get to? And the, the Ben stuff was the most chopped and changed across that entire conception Mm. because originally there was he they were definitely together they were still together at the end of uh that first season and in fact there was even discussions we 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 talked about um ellie saying yes i i I will marry you and then doubling down on the bad relationship and we see it continue right so we we had all of these conversations and in the end it was just like ended up okay she's gonna her progress, her her achievement in this season is to to recognize that this is not healthy for her anymore and that they've been together for seven years and he wants something that she doesn't and that the kind thing to do is to to end it. But that was that was the end point of a long, long road of, of back and forth and discussions. Yeah, man. I I I think you I think you absolutely nailed that. And yeah, she yeah, she she if it would have it would have truly ruined a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't have told you to your face, but it would have ruined a little bit for me if if they she was like, okay, you know, you know, you're the. Is guy. that because you want the best for her though? Like, is that because you're invested in in that, or because you like the bitter, the the, the tang of bitter in it? I I do like the tang. I do like the bitter tang. I I do, but it also just didn't feel right. It felt like he he wasn't. Maybe this is a um, this is this is because you, you you didn't you weren't able to build enough of a relationship with him, and maybe season yeah. two we get to see a bit more of of Ben and how he, that relationship affected him. But in in season one and what we have, it wasn't enough. 
it just it didn't feel it didn't feel right for her. It didn't feel I don't know. It's a gut feeling. I know. It, yeah. That's what, that's that's how I can describe it. And that's and gut feelings are reality. Yeah. And well, it's interesting it as well right. because uh, I'm curious whether or not how did the escape room stuff play for you in the first viewing? So did you see? Did you like you're getting little glimpses of it from episode three onwards? These little flashbacky moments in the in the escape room. Can you can you tell me what you're thinking, sort of moment by moment as you're going in? What did you did you know what was happening straight away? Uh, from which from which episode? Episode so three, you get the first little glimpse of them doing an escape room together. Yeah. Um, in the submarine thing, and then by the the end of episode. four, five we have now seen enough of that scene to realize that ben proposed and she um basically ran away without <laughs> giving an answer um so i'm just curious because that scene was originally scripted and shot to play as a single flashback as one lump that you'd get all at once and right. they actually broke it up and they spread it earlier so you had a bit more of ben across the season and they, they put it in pieces as a little bit of a, there's been something going on um, so that maybe you understand there's, there's, there's something kind of Ellie's mind a bit more. But I'm just curious whether in that first glimpse when you saw it, you're like, oh, he proposed, or whether it took you a little while to work out what the hell was going on with these flashbacks. Yeah, I, didn't, I, don't, think, I don't think I registered that he proposed, to be honest. At all? Uh you must have registered it when he was on one knee. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm trying to think back because I watched four, four, five, and six, the most recently. So I'm trying to think sure. back. I don't, I don't, I don't think I didn't say I didn't when I was when I was watching the back third or the back uh, three episodes. I wasn't thinking in my head that this is a uh, a guy that was or a guy that had proposed i was thinking this is a guy that was wanting to devote his life to this girl who wasn't sure of what she wanted interesting so you didn't think that the giving her a ring and being down on one knee was a proposal well uh, i look i I didn't register. I didn't register it. I like this happens all the time, by the way, with shows and movies. Sure. Like um, the like I, I might miss crucial details like this, but it huh. honestly didn't register to me. <laughs> I certainly, I certainly wasn't conscious of it uh, when I was rewatching the last three apps. Oh so, wow! I'll, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be watching the whole thing through again and. You know, each time I'll be looking at looking at it with through a different lens. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Wow, how fascinating. Okay, um, I'm not. I, I mean, as we as we know, I will skim read emails. Um, <laughs> sure. And like, I I do I do actually kind of find it hard. This is kind of why I'm not into the Avenger movies. It's because it's because it's all narrative and I, i'm certainly not saying that 
that your your that good grief is all narrative. But I what I'm saying is that I do kind of sometimes struggle with the narrative element, like following the narrative of things. Yeah, I'm more attuned to the relationships. Yeah, uh, or the, the experiential dialogue. moments. Exactly. So yeah. I do often miss out on on narrative elements, and it's yeah, by no means uh, due to poor writing. No, I wasn't taking it personally. I was just <laughs> very interested. Um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, well, uh, I'd be curious to know what um, anyone else out there who watched, whether you immediately pegged the escape room as a as a bad proposal idea or um, <laughs> whether or not it's uh, it was a little bit of a, a growing surprise as the season proceeded. Um if also, you had Ashley, to... Ashley Olsen had autism, another one of my favorite lines. <laughs> that's not that's not what it was. Ashley, no, uh, an aneurysm. Yeah, Ashley Olsen <laughs> had an aneurysm. <laughs> Ashley Olsen. That was one. That was a very fun. I do remember that call. Trying to think up dumb um, vocal warm-ups. So Ashley good. Olsen had an was aneurysm. that a was that a euism? Oh, I can't remember. Oops. Um, I think. I think there were there were definitely there were so many others pitched. I think um, Michelle Obama has a llama. Michelle Obama has a llama oh, was definitely <laughs> was definitely there. Um, but maybe we'll, maybe we can use that again. Um, I was there in that chapel um, for the DJ set and for um, Dean's uh, Josh's um, vocal warm ups and watching him. Do multiple takes of Tim from Tool Time. Tim from Tool Time. Actually, so also good. had an aneurysm. I love that. <laughs> like um, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Taylor. Tim the Toolman Taylor. Um, watching him do multiple takes of that, it was fucking unbearably funny. Like you were sitting there in the pews, and you got to be deathly silent. And I was, it was just like squirming with all of these people next to me. Just he's trying an interesting to keep actor, place. man. Like he's he's like yeah. so perfectly cringe in moments, like like hard, like David Brent, like level. <laughs> like it's yeah. like oh god. When, and, yeah, and it's like good. when he's doing the, uh, I think it's episode five when he's doing when he's doing his the warm ups when he's installed the spotlight. Yeah, and he's doing those warm ups. It's like they're so like. It's so awkward and uncomfortable to watch that it's like perfect. Like I'm trying to think, I've over, I've over analyzing every kind of moment, like thinking just because I just because of my proximity to you and knowing and yeah. hearing you speak about it, I'm like imagining you behind the camera basically all the time. Yeah. Um, and in that particular scene, it's like I'm just thinking. This guy is being so like raw and honest about how cringy he can be. Like he's being embarrassing on purpose, and not just like, oh boy, you know, like I, you know, put a bucket on my head. It's like he's yeah. being like kind of real in yeah. in how embarrassing. Like this is actually him, but he's doing it for like I don't know. Yeah, no, I do know what you mean. Um, you are. That that's an element of trust, I suppose, is that the director and the the camera team and everyone there and the actor all will have to trust the that it's a safe space, right? Like I, I'm I'm in 
in no way um, an actor. Um, but one of those things you do hear actors say in interviews is, is you know, having feeling like they had the space to play or the space to fail or the, the space to try things, right? And you totally get it because you've got to be able to go out there and be, you know, and we script these things. We script these things where it's like vocal warm-ups and, and you don't know who you're going to cast at that point. And, and you're, you, you know, we could have found someone who was actually, you know, from a theatre background who was a, uh, I suppose, more of a ham, uh, someone who, you know, a little bit bigger, a little bit more, um, yeah, just that, that sort of cringy theatre type, OTT. But it would have it would have flown too close to the sun, I think. If you go that way, then you are heightening the world too much, and we really wanted the world to feel grounded. So you need a, a an actor who's playing grounded, but then in order to then see them do a vocal warm up or to stretch out for a thing, you're going to then push way more into cringe than you are into you know theater cliche so the actor has to then trust that it's all going to be a funny and be uh in good hands when it comes together in the edit and thankfully our director kyle and and josh um, thompson who's much more a, a comedian and a, and a panelist than he is an actor though he, he does act regularly but um yeah yeah i i i you know they they've got to all trust each other um yeah and so, well, one last question, Nick, um, and I think in some ways probably the most important. Who who was your least? Who did you least like to work with? Who was the worst? <laughs> who did you hate? Um, What's the guy? I think I think it was me. I think I was very self conscious of the fact that I was standing in people's way, um, eating food that I I really hadn't earned. And was just generally annoying people. So I think I was definitely the one that I disliked being there with. I think on behalf of everyone, I'd like to say boo. Because um, <laughs> we, we want a headline. Uh, we want oh, TMZ. So it's interesting, like I said, looking back on it now, because it's been six months since I came out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hadn't rewatched it in, in at least a couple months. Um, and it's interesting how I think effortless some of it looks, um, when like, I know how many iterations we did of the first script and how many things didn't make the cut and how many scenes we just completely scrapped and how many conversations we slammed our heads against the wall, trying to work out we need to cover A, B, C, and D in this conversation. But how the fuck do you get it all there to feel like it makes sense for one person to say that to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing? The number of um, times, like the very final scene in the church where you're having this kind of tonal shift from Ellie. So you got a first aid scene, which is completely ludicrous, you know, like um, the uh, CPR dummies, like, fucking fucking the cpr dummies and like bumping into her breast into like relationship stuff with Bo and gwen into ellie being completely bombarded by everyone like just having the shit kicked out of her by everyone 
having this complete emotional snap, swearing and, and storming out, and then laughing at the relief of having fucking done it again and feeling better for it, and then breaking up with her almost fiancé, and then finding out that um, the home has asbestos. <laughs> Fuck, I love Trisha. And then... Uh, going home, going back and going into the um, church and then having this final kind of confrontation with Gwen about Gwen selling out and going to leave her there. And so this, this like emotional roller coaster of like, how the fuck do we just manage the tone of this thing? And arguably, you know, maybe some people would say it doesn't even really flow that well, but that final scene where you're trying to have these conversations, which is everything from like this pent up relationship stuff, which Ellie never told Gwen, never told Gwen about the proposal and never told her that she broke up. And yet it's looming over that entire conversation. There's the grandfather element of the legacy. And do we hold on to this thing? And Gwen's trying to go to Bali, but she's also stolen the card to, to pay for the flights and, and there's this betrayal and there's a love you and then there's a punch and, and just like all these elements and we just we just bashed our head against the wall and then you sit back and you watch it six months later and you go yeah that worked and, and, <laughs> like, well, that's the that's the, the idea though isn't it like it's, yeah it's like you want to be the duck that's furiously paddling underneath the water and yeah. gliding on the top like yeah like I think you can, I mean, hearing from you, I, I, I get a sense of that, but like, you know, that, that's, that's, it does on the surface of it look like smooth sailing and that's how you want it to be. Yeah. Thank you. No, it's just, um, I, yeah. Can I just ask uh, one more question? It's just interesting with the distance. Yeah, go ahead. And this is just like a real nuts and boltsy kind of, kind of question. Yeah. Um, you were saying before how you, you, you know, the characters and the arcs are going to go, going on this curvy roller coaster. How how do you map it out? Uh, and do, are you are you kind of like mapping out? We want to hit this point here and this point here, like emotionally and in terms of tone. And how do you mathematically um, divide that into words? And then like, are you hitting this on page? three and then this on page five like how how are you like kind of devising it by time and working out where you're going to hit the notes in terms of and also working out at what point in the show this is gonna be yeah it's um it's it's an interesting question and and it's also kind of fundamental to it because structure is almost more important to a successful show than the actual conversations and content in it. Because if you're telling a story, but all the beats are out of order or rushed or whatever, then it's, it's not going to land. So knowing where you hit those marks is, is super important. And honestly, it's never as, well, for us, it was never as pinpoint as page three, we need this page seven, we're here, page 15, we're over there. It's more, we started a very overview kind of level um, where it's like, okay, Ellie's feeling this at the start and by the end of the season, we want her to be here. So you sort of, you, you, you get your bookends in, 
right? right? And and originally at the end of the season for Ellie, it was going to be she has made a choice about the proposal and, and she said yes, I think. Um, but you weren't... Were and, you writing them episode by episode? We were writing them yeah. chronologically. Right. But we outlined it all before. So you still right. knew what we were doing, but then you had to fill in the blank. So you, you started with the, the structure of the season. Here's one to six. And then... Back from that, you go, okay, well, we're going to have this, we're going to have Ellie treating Ben like shit for five episodes and, and hopefully the audience recognizes it, but wonders a bit what's going on. And then episode five, um, we have a reveal scene where it's like, here's the proposal. Oh, I get it. We thought Ben was cheating on her, but in fact, the reason she's pissed off with him and hurt and he's apologizing isn't a bad thing that he did. It's he proposed and she didn't want to be proposed to. So let's put that in five and then, okay, if that's there, then we need to have at least something earlier where we've met him. So maybe in the first episode or second episode, there's something there. I'm just using Ben and Ellie as one example. Sure. But, um, so you, 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 you're sort of sprinkling in that way. Or for Gwen, it's, okay, we know she wants to be a, a DJ. She's inherited this um, funeral home. Why is she even in the show? Why is she here? Why would she not just walk out? Well, okay, let's say she wants to go to Bali, but she doesn't have the money. So she's going to be here and expect to stay, but only temporarily till they sell. And then she'll take that money and she'll go to Bali. Well, okay. But then how is she going to hang around after that if Ellie doesn't want to sell? Um, okay, well, maybe she'll employ Gwen and pay her a salary and then Gwen will have enough money. And by the end of that she'll be able to go. Uh, okay, well then how do we know about the DJing stuff? Okay, let's make her DJ in an episode so we can see her do it, but she's nervous about it. But then Bo can give her a little bit of a nudge and say, nah, you'll be good, give it a go. And she does a good job and then she likes it and she has the confidence. And then by the last episode, because of Bo's help, she's ready to go to Bali. Oh, fuck, but Bo actually wanted to maybe ask me out maybe. So you, you, you plot it out like that. And then you dive into an individual episode and you go, okay, episode three, this is the one where they're going to have a fight about what's happening in the future and, right. and Bo's going to have this little heart to heart. And so we'll split it out into act one and act two and act three. And then you go into each of those even further and it's like, okay, let's start writing this out. So as it's less scenes. page to page and more, okay, episode to episode. And then within yeah. episodes, it's with the acts. Yeah. And then with acts, it's scenes. So, yeah, it, it's literally like a top-down zoom-in. So it's like, here's the whole season. Here's how it's going to fit into six episodes. Here's how it's going to fit into three acts within an episode. Here's going to be the scenes. So we'll go to here, then we'll go to the furniture store, then we'll go to the funeral home, and then we'll have the grannies, and then they'll do the makeup, and then there'll be the fight. And then once you sort of know that, you start to write the scenes and, and actually put it down into paper. And so you start you start with narrative and character arcs first. That's yeah. the first outlines that you That's made. how we did it, yeah. It's not how it, okay, right? Yeah, that's so interesting. Like the mathematics of the um of the show are so fascinating. But but you notice like the the crazy thing about it all is the jokes come last. Like we we kind of take it as a given that oh when we actually start we'll writing to, we'll, we'll, we'll be, be able, able to make, make it funny. Sure, and you might but write like down things from your lives here and there, and you're like oh maybe the, I could use it for this here, you know? Yeah, or maybe you have an idea like um. We just we had them going furniture shopping for some reason because 
they needed decor or whatever, but we the just balls. like the balls was not scripted. The, the balls, balls was the... there on the day. That was just improv. There's a lot. The that's probably the scene which had the most improv in it of anything. I reckon that was one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, where Gwen something is just like. like... <laughs> no, the end of that scene where she goes, "Wait, who am I?" And she's like, yeah. "I'm the I'm the statue." Like, yeah. Complete, completely. That was just them fucking around, which is a, a testament to all of their genius. Wow. Um, but you you look at that versus something like the first aid scene, which is entirely scripted. Everything that happened there is is basically word for word what we wrote. So um, yeah, taking taking the jokes as a given. And maybe there's something there where it's like, you know what? It'll be funny if we go to a first aid course or it'll be funny if the funeral, they want a psychic, right? So you might have a, a comedic idea behind an episode, but the the moment to moments you, you're doing at the very end, basically. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're just kind yeah. of like trusting that you'll find the, you, the comedy will come because we're funny as fuck. But as <laughs> well, long as hoping, we nail yeah. the narrative, yeah. Yeah. And ultimately as well, comedy, I, I'm definitely not an expert, but if you like the characters and you know the characters and they're interesting, you can find the comedy wherever you put them. Yeah. Um, so it's just believing that that the structure is already there to sustain the drama side of it um, and know that, yeah, the, the jokes will, will come. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been so interesting to hear, hear, hear you break it down. Um, mm. And thanks for answering my questions. No, um, it's been a pleasure to finally be able to talk about it in depth with you after all these years. But yeah, to sum up, dude, seriously, I just, I genuinely loved the show. Um, I still do. I'm going to rewatch it again. Um, and congratulations. It's genuinely funny. It's, as I said before, it's got some really, it's got some really, Heart. I don't want to say heartwarming. It's got some really relatable um, subplots. Um, I believed all of the characters. Uh, it made me laugh out loud. I just. I think you should be really proud. I'm proud of Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's very sweet. Gay. Um. <laughs> um. um. On SBS On Demand, they're saying this will be available until uh, sometime in 2024. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, you got time. some time if you haven't got there yet, guys. But um, uh, I I hope if uh, you haven't already that any of you out there will um, pop it on your list and, and give it a watch. I'd, I'd love to, to know what you think. Good queef. Check it out. <laughs> Damn, you might have watched a different show now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Uh, if you've enjoyed listening to us talk, well, we've got great news. There is plenty more out there in the world. And Michael has ducked off to the bathroom, but he's trying to do it quietly. So we'll see whether or not we can hear anything on his mic. Um, you can find more of these episodes in your podcast feed. If you're there, please um, give us a five-star rating. It supposedly helps. And uh, head to deepfort.podbean.com if you don't have a podcast player. You can also find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on soundcloud and you can catch oh i need to put that jingle from last week on soundcloud um you can find us all there and keep in touch with us and send your emails and questions and comments and feedback to deepfort at gmail.com and we will be delighted to answer them um so uh we'll 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 catch you there 
Um, I came back just in time. Missed the outro. You did. Which is my least favorite part of this podcast. Um, okay. Since we're talking media and TV shows you should watch, why don't we add something else on the list with a bit more recommendation engine? Get the keys. <laughs> okay. I'm sticking with that. No, I like it. I just, I was more that you, I was not sure you you were paying attention to what I was saying. I was getting up my Rex. Okay. Welcome to Deep Thoughts Recommendation Engine. Uh... I have so many Rex, dude. It's I'm having to cut Rex. You're cutting Rex? Okay, yeah. I've got... I got two, but I feel like they might overlap with you. So why don't you um, why don't you throw one in the mix? All right, I'm gonna start off with. By the way, this is good grief aside. Yeah, of uh, course. Good, good grief implied. We're uh, we're all <laughs> assuming that everyone listening has gone up and at least sampled good grief SBS on demand. Yeah. Um. So my first wreck is this show, um, that I just think. I just I'm it's one of my favorite shows ever. Uh, Say it at called... the same time. Dave. I think you should leave. Okay. I think you should leave. Oh, I love okay. No, that wasn't on mine. That wasn't even on mine. That's how strong my wrecks are, dude. Wow. Um no, this show Dave, Dave. Have you heard about this? Yeah, I watched a couple of episodes. You remind me of Dave. <laughs> um You're not the first person that said that. But I may, <laughs> may... Maybe that's what I just I just love. I mean, just it's so it's so funny to me. I've I've talked about this with my friends ad nauseum, so I've already wrecked it out. But uh, I just you got to you got to give an overview. Uh, so this this is this white Jewish rapper called Lil Dicky, who in real life is a white Jewish rapper named Lil Dicky. Um, and it's a show basically about, uh, I think it's a HBO show. Yeah. It's on binge. It's FX, uh, isn't it? Oh, FX. Yes, of course. Uh, about, uh, I don't know, about him starting his career as, as a rapper. Um, and he, he's, he's, he's very aware of the fact that he's white and a rapper and he kind of plays on this thing. He's like, "Oh, do I, do I do a, do I do this like phony voice that a lot of white rappers do, which is kind of maybe appropriating black culture?" They go into all these kind of things. At the end of the day, it's just a, it's just a hilarious, hilarious show. Uh, incredibly well done. He reminds me a lot of myself. So if you like me, maybe you can like, maybe you love the show. Um, <laughs> I don't. I think I don't, uh, if I can jump in slightly, it is a show which is very much playing some of the cringe and playing some of the reality of those moments. It's not heightened. It's not like a broad city. I know that's a, that's a weird con- concept, but it's sure. not like pushing up into that super um, high rat tat comedy range. It is much more like situational in the sense that it is. It's it's kind of like Louis in a weird way, where it's yes. like following a guy's journey, completely. But but that's sort of incidentally funny. But you've Com- got to be prepared for that kind of tone. Completely. I mean, I I don't think I have to be prepared for that kind no. kind of tone. But like, it it is very much like Louis in that show. Did did FX do Louis? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and they do better things, baskets. which is also terrific. Oh, better things is and the baskets. best. Yeah. Better things is the best. I got into that because of you as well. You um, 
but yeah, it is. It is. It's a. It's a real. It's 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 realism, and, and it's funny. And they go into a lot of heavy issues. They go into issues of of racism and cultural appropriation, but they don't do it in a kind of you know virtue signaling kind of way they do it into like let's break this down kind of way um and i just i mean it's just it's just probably one of my favorite shows ever all right mm. that's enough about dave you go i'll throw out the one that i said at the same time i think you should leave it is a sketch show it is tim robinson it's on netflix their second season just came out um and it is you know, sketch. This the sketch show is a little bit of a, a niche product these days. You, you have the SNL at the top, which is very sort of mainstream, um, uh, topical kind of sketch. Yeah. But this is a show which is about pure like ideas, yeah. and it starts. It's super surreal, and it's also um, it, it, this guy Tim Robinson who was a writer on SNL but has such a strange t- point of view on the world, but also performance. He's either someone who did a terrible thing and is pretending he didn't, or someone getting irrationally angry about the stupidest stuff. And those are his two modes. And it's just watching him play in different different flavors of that. But invariably, every episode, they're only 15-minute episodes, has the most ludicrous sketch which will get you just laughing out loud and the the incidental throwaway jokes in the middle of it are as funny as anything let alone the whole concepts and executions of it um so if you feel like it's only six 15 minute episodes it's the exact same duration as good grief now that i say it out loud <laughs> you can watch um i think you should leave both seasons on netflix and it it you you'll blow through it i promise Completely second that. It's super hilarious. I watched it a few times uh, under the influence of marijuana, and it made it even better. It's like uh, it's like Auntie Donna, but without making you gag. That's kind of. How <laughs> I, I do think. like Auntie Donna. Yeah, I do. I, Auntie Donna is a weird one for me. Like I, I, I want to like I watch it, but like I think it might be the Australian accent. Like I'm just like, oh, I, like, I hate these guys. You know. It's like Auntie Donna to me is like smelling your own armpit. It's like you're you're kind <laughs> of you you're kind of attracted to the smell, but you hate it's dirty. Like you hate it as well. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, fair enough. Um, this wreck goes a couple of months back at this point, but and you you've probably already seen it, but you got to watch. You guys, what are we calling? L you you. You introed it last week on last episode, F- fight deep forties or something. Forties uh, or fighters, 40s. fight heads. Forties, 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 forties. Bo Burnham's inside is inside. just a piece of absolute genius. Um, you've probably already seen it. I reckon this is like the the type of people that are listening to this and are friends with us have already seen it. Have you seen it? Yeah, but I was very late to the party in the sense that I, I had wanted to see it basically since it came out, but just knew I needed to dedicate like a good solid chunk to watch it and just life got in the way a bit. Um, so I literally only watched it probably two weeks ago. And mm. even with all the people telling me I needed to watch it, I still found it very satisfying, very catchy, very compelling. Um, it is a stand-up special recorded during the pandemic um, by Bo Burnham, who was 
basically stuck in his house like everyone else was in America and going slowly insane, just going actively um, off the rails in an, in a not scripted, not even comedic kind of way at times, but yeah. having quite a legitimate mental breakdown. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly got um, he's certainly got some mental uh, issues, and I have since I I wasn't a I'd watched Eighth Grade, uh, which is a movie that he directed, and I absolutely loved that film, but hadn't really put it that together with his comedy. And then I watched mm. Inside and was completely blown away, and have since gone back and watched all of his specials, um, and I'm just completely convinced that he's a genius, um, even at uh, you know he's a year younger than me, which is mm. devastating to me. But um, yeah, it, it, I think it is a real uh, master masterpiece, this inside. The, the most impressive thing about it for me is just knowing, you know, we, we have dabbled in the comedic musical comedy, you know, here in Deep Ford every now and then, right? Yeah. And knowing, you know, even at our amateurish level of production, how much time and effort you can sink into something musically yeah and also then to try and make it lyrically or comedically potent as well is so difficult and every single one of his musical performances in this um special is so strong just like uh, in a in a vacuum like you can just take one of these little nuggets and be like this is a this is a perfect 7 minute you know youtube video that someone could have put up but it's <laughs> it's part of this oeuvre of of 90 yeah. minutes worth of art film and meta filming yourself filming and and all of the failures and the fucked up takes and he gets halfway through a song and stops it and says nah we'll do it again gets all the way through it and you're like that was fucking brilliant and then he goes oh, i'll do one more you yeah. like incredible it's it's very um it is literally an auteur work in a way that very few things that are called auteur works actually are because um, he, he it's just him yeah absolutely you 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 said that you said that better than i could uh what's your next wreck well that was it i was gonna i was gonna do inside and i think you should leave okay but you keep you you um you, you throw some out and i'll see if there's anything else lingering um, I just have one more, which is um, This Way Up, which is a show by uh, Aish, Aishling B. Aishing? Aishling you know B. Aishling B. Um, it's a show that I think is on Stan in Australia, but uh, this is just another show that I've loved. Is that the one She's with just Sharon Horgan as well? I'm not sure. I imagine so, um, but it's... Uh, I mean, first, firstly, Aisling B is just the most. I don't know. I'm just completely in love with her. To be honest, um, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. But she's so funny. She's so charismatic. Um, her show again. It's one of those shows that is just kind of following one person um, and and uh, putting them into <laughs> into uh, relatable situations and seeing how they react. And they're a little bit messed up inside, but. Um, She's just released a second season, and there's six episodes apiece each season, um, and it's just another, another great show. Yeah, I I think uh, I could have actually googled in the time you're talking. This way up. It's called actually. This Way Up. If I didn't say that already. Yeah, you did say that. Uh, yeah, it's that. It is. It's the one that has Sharon Horgan and Sharon Horgan, who was fantastic. 
um, herself in the show Catastrophe with Rob Delaney. Did you ever watch oh, yeah, Catastrophe? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I watched a couple yeah. of episodes, yeah. Yeah, you should definitely watch all of that. That is fucking fantastic. Um, oh, yeah, she yeah. plays her sister. She's amazing as well. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to put that on my oh. list because I do like Ashley B. Um, yeah. The only other one that I might throw out, which is a little bit more um, niche, is uh, there's a lot of great stuff on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, which you do have to pay for, but which comes free for a year if you buy an Apple product. So some of you might have it without knowing. Um, there's a great um, alternate history space race show called For All Mankind, which is really good. Um, I'm watching Central Park, which is like a musical animated show. That's great. Um, Ted Lasso is very good fun and positive. Now, You'll see a lot Ted, of... Ted Lasso, a lot of hype around Ted Lasso. And I tried to watch it. A lot it, of hype. And it was like... Was it was it good? It was like I don't know. It's just like so cutesy to me. It's like it's kind of like you know, like um, what's that show with Kristen Bell? Good place. Good place. It's like I don't know. It's so cutesy, man. Like I don't know. Is I don't it, see is it funny? Good place connection. It is funny, but it 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 becomes funny. I I was I I retained some of your skepticism in the early episodes of Ted Lasso. I was a bit like, ah, I don't know what tone or sincerity I should bring to this, and whether it's playing at like a Disney cartoon level or whether it's right. playing at like a that's it, yeah. an office comedy kind of sitcom level or like trying to, or is it scrubs you know because the guy behind scrubs is also one of the producers and yeah just trying to work out where it, it is where it lands and uh, to be fair i think they're trying to work that out a bit as well but by the end of it i think the character stuff comes through to a point where you're quite invested in it so sure. I, I, i'm I a think big sudeikis fan so he's lovely and, he's and it, there's a lot of good buzz about him as well being actually a sincere genuine awesome human being which is really reassuring yeah um but the one I was actually going to throw out is called Mythic Quest, which is... Uh, Watched the first episode the other day. Oh, you did? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's from some of the team behind It's Always Sunny um, and some of the team behind Community, Megan Gans, and has uh, Danny Pudi and um, Charlotte Nickdow, an Australian comedian, and um, Rob Mac- uh Rob? No. Yeah, Rob. It is Rob. I, I was getting mixed up with AP Bio because that's Glenn Howerton. But no, Rob mm-hmm. McElhenney in um, in this uh, video game office, this development studio. Um, and even if you don't uh, care about video games, uh, it is a very funny, very fast, rat-a-tat comedy, um, self-aware kind of show, which can suddenly pivot into very sincere quality drama as well. Um and my dad, I, I put my dad onto it recently, having just finished the second season, and he's raving about it, having not no no context for video game development at all, just enjoying yeah. it on the face of it. And is angry at me that I didn't tell him to watch it earlier, actually, because he was like, why did you not think this would be something I'd like? And I guess because I'd assumed that the video game aesthetic was going to put people off a little bit. So this is just me as a mea culpa going out there and saying, if you like funny comedy and don't mind exploring something set in a video game place, even if you don't care or know about video games, give Mythic Quest a go. It's really funny. It's really good. Well, that's good to know that your dad was into it. Because, um, yeah. like, the, the I did find it fun. I watched the first episode the other day because we Emma bought a new iPhone, so she got Apple mm-hmm. Plus. Um, and 
watched the first episode and I was like, yeah, this is this is funny and I love Rob McElhaney and I love Always Sunny. It's one of my favorite shows ever. But then I was like, yeah, maybe the video game. I don't know if I could stick through the video game thing, but uh, hearing yeah. your dad say that, I probably probably will. Go through at least episode five because okay. episode five is really, really quite different and really impressive in its own way. So I'd, I'd say give it a, keep at it. Cool. Yeah, it had uh, it was it was just it was funny. It was a lot of yeah, a lot of laughs even in the first step. Yeah. Ah. Oh, well, how are we going to end this, Nick? I don't know. Fart joke. Um, I don't have any farts in me to be honest. I probably have some a bit later. I could send you okay. one after my pasta. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Should I? Uh, <laughs> no. I? I'll do it, dude. I'll no. do it. No, that's fine. I actually, I don't like a pathway where, like, you're already asking me to send photos of myself for the uh, image of the, um, the the Photoshop you do every week. I don't want to get to a point where we're just sending audio of our farts back and forth to each other. I think even as close friends, that's... You're acting, that's, you're acting like that's never happened, which it has. I'm, and I, I'm trying I, to maintain a facade. I have... <laughs> <laughs> oh, for such mushnad. That doesn't really work, does it? <laughs>